You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm sorry. <laughs> Leave it in there. Leave it in there and just say your name. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many it is merely fiction. Join our conversation as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about our show or to contact us directly, visit our website at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. And welcome, listener. You're listening to episode 159 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I don't even count anymore. What's that? What do you mean? Episode numbers. Oh, okay. I just anytime we're exporting an episode when we can't record together, I'm like, what number is it? You scared me for a second because you said I don't even count anymore, and I, I thought that you were referring oh, to some like, kind of personal thing. Yeah, no. I, I thought that maybe like did I forget you in the intro? I was like, no, Nathan, you do count. You do count. <laughs> you Nathan. do matter. No, I was not having an existential crisis. No, I only count because I have to make the thumbnails for every episode. I, so. I do. I do love Matt's intro this week. Yeah, like, that was what, weird. That's what happens when you do it live, and like <laughs> he was. Uh, well, that's what I was laughing about. I know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, because your mind immediately makes these little connecting the dots things. And so, like, I immediately had a flashback to a Tootsie Roll Pop commercial from my childhood about how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop. Uh-huh. And then goes, I don't know, ask the owl. One, two, three. And then he bites into it. Three. How many takes does it take to get one clean take of the intro to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast? <laughs> Let's ask Matt. No. <laughs> he, he was wearing his Apple Vision Pro. and That's he, right. He wasn't quite with us in that uh, moment. Let the listener understand. Matt does not have an apple vision pro at least not yet i'd love to have one sponsorship Pastor appreciation month is right around the corner in october <laughs> well i mean you know That's gummy bears can- canes gift cards you know what's next the apple vision pro yeah. there's about thirty four hundred and seventy five dollars between a canes gift card and an apple vision <laughs> pro <laughs> plus tax but- well, before we get any farther let me i didn't do it last time but let me go ahead and remind the listener if you're not uh subscribed to the better than fiction bible podcast please do so so that you can get a notification every Tuesday morning. Hit the like button, the subscribe button, the plus sign, the check mark, the heart sign, the happy face, whatever that looks like on your platform of choice. That way you can tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content and it will spread farther and you'll get a notification. You've come so far since the guy who used to bully and shame third-party <laughs> platforms. Yeah. I'm just like, it's a testament to growth I've, on the show. I've learned to love yeah. the third-party You're platform. You're a soon-to-be-married man. Yes. And I know that because I got a hand-delivered invitation after receiving a blank envelope in the mail. <laughs> Listener, Nathan and I have this, uh, we have this weird relationship where I think Nathan does, isn't sure whether I like him or not. <laughs> Just various things happen. I have that with several people. But we were sending out invitations for my, my upcoming marriage and somebody, I won't mention who, I know who, in my family, we were doing an assembly line style and they forgot to put the invitation in the addressed envelope. So Nathan. Vita oh, would never do that to me. No, no. I'll not name names, okay. but I know who it was. But it wasn't Vita, right? Don't no. break my heart. Well, I mean, I, I won't name names. Okay. Because if I eliminate her, that leaves like three other people, only okay. three other yeah, people. Got to have plots. And so then he body. opens up the envelope and lo and behold, it's empty. And I'm sure you're thinking like, what is he trying to say here? What is, what is the messaging? But you are not forgotten, Nathan. Something that is forgotten, I think, is that a couple episodes ago, many weeks for us, was that aha moment that we were having at the end of chapter 30, and we then we just never addressed it again. Yeah, we, we never went back to it. Yeah, well, it's the thing we talk about in church all the time where you're reading a story from the Bible and some new insight pops out that's been there all along that makes sense. And, man, I always have this humbling... As, as a guy who loves Bible study and as a guy who 
was blessed to have a season of life where you set aside and work part-time jobs going through seminary. And as a guy who is entrusted with lots of hours to study the Bible each week in preparation to teach and preach the Bible, I always feel like particularly humbled by when something seemingly obvious in the text leaps out at me that I should have noticed a long time ago for the hours that I've put in. Does that mean, is that fair? Yeah. And I just, I had one of those reading and this does play into our discussions of the weird stuff. Matt brought up a couple episodes that we were still navigating last week. And that's, I, again, real estate in the Bible is ultra premium. We're not wasting stories because this is an inspired word of God and that wouldn't make sense. So even the weird stuff is serving a purpose, right? Yeah. And so if I don't, if there's not a self-evident, why is this here in stories? I often find myself like adjusting the altitude at which I'm reading the text until something takes shape that I couldn't see looking at it up close and personal. And I, I guess I had one of those for this whole saga with Jacob and Laban. Hmm. Did Jacob leave to come visit his uncle and find a wife? Don't think specific. Think more generally. Remember, like, where was I mean, he Abraham in, called in Genesis 12 to the land that was promised? Yeah. yeah. So he leaves the promised land and he goes to I the see. other place. When he goes there, does he stay as long as he intends to? No. No. Why not? He has to skip town because uh, he did a bad thing. So he leaves the promised land after doing a bad thing, right? And I'm M morally questionable. Yeah. And by the way, don't feel like you have to hear one-to-one -one correspondence if, if bells are not sounding in your head by now. So a protagonist does a morally questionable thing. Anyway, leaves the land of promise and goes to work for his uncle, mm -hmm. but ends up working for his uncle way longer than he intended to stay. Mm-hmm. Uncle gets rich off of his labor, and so he doesn't want him to leave and keeps finding reasons for him to stay. They have turmoil of him, and he will ultimate, Jacob will ultimately go back to the promised land, plundering his uncle, and in the middle, there's some weird stuff with magic. Mm. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. Well, I had to work really hard for this, and then the light bulb went off, so I'm glad it just came to you that, <laughs> that quickly. What story does it feel like we're reading? This feels like the flight from Egypt for the in Exodus. Ding. Ding. What do we say over and over? But we, I don't know that we've said it in at least one and a half episodes. So I feel like we're due to say it. We are reading Genesis while we're living the Exodus. The, why is this story important? Because God has blessed this line to be a blessing that will not be thwarted. Hmm. And you will hear, I'm convinced, so many things that remind us of the story of the Exodus, even as we continue building toward, even in this, you know. In today's passage, we get some insights on the end of chapter 30, which was weird, involving dreams. Why is that significant? How do we end up getting down to Egypt in the first place? Because of a dream. Because of a dream. Mm. Isn't that tangled? I've had a dream. I've yeah, that is tangled. But yeah, uh, I, I, man, the, the points of connection. Matt, you made this point. I didn't think through my own idea. Um when Moses is taking God's people out of Egypt, his contest is not just with Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. It's Pharaoh and the magicians. Uh, the, as we've talked about it, the diviners. Oh, yeah. Like they're the ones that remember they have to examine the miracles. And ultimately, when it comes to, I think it's the first plague that they say, this is the finger of God. Is it, and it's, isn't it the gnats? I think it. But the first plague it. is not the gnat. No, but the first plague that the magicians can't replicate. Yeah. Maybe the gnats, because they say this is the finger of God. 
So, and, and it's interesting, you know, we will touch on this more if and when we get to Exodus in 2027. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Ronald Meeks. But the even the plagues in Egypt are not just standalone, hey, I think, how can I make their lives harder? The plagues of Egypt intentionally tie into things and powers that they would have associated with the gods of Egypt, mm-hmm. right? By the way, it was Nats. It was Nats. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad my brain worked. You're not a properly. bug. Are you, Nat? <laughs> Uncle Buck, anyone? Oh, uh, uh, wow. Magicians, they have a great song in Prince of Egypt. It's a banger. You love, like, you don't like Prince of Egypt. You love Prince of Egypt. Yes. Prince of Egypt. I don't want to get on a tangent, but I will. Like, it's one pr- of the best. Pr- Prince of Egypt I watch is. Prince of movie, Egypt once a month. Like, it, I'm, I'm going to. so good. I'm going to step out on a limb. For every second of me singing in a Better Than Fiction Bible podcast episode, there is at least three seconds off air where Gandalf talks about the beauty and brilliance of the Prince of Egypt. It's beautiful. That's it's not, well done. It's that's well not done. true, but I won't deny that. <laughs> that I won't deny that it's it beautiful. It should be true. It, it should, should be. be true. <laughs> but yeah, so that may be a completely lackluster reveal, but man, this story and why we have the story and why we have the story in God's word told the way it is, not just the what, but the how, makes so much more sense to me when I read it as, Everything is leading up to the Egypt story. Because again, if you're reading the Bible from cover to cover, that's the first place you encounter the language of salvation and deliverance. That becomes the prototypical example of how God exercises saving power on behalf of his people, how God finds us in the state of squalor and turns us into a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the primary metaphor in the New Testament for how the crucifixion and work of Jesus is portrayed. You do have Day of Atonement imagery in Hebrews, but overwhelmingly in the Gospels and disproportionately in Paul, it is Exodus and Passover imagery. That is huge. So it should not surprise us, even in Genesis, that we are anticipating the Exodus. Hmm. So, I mean, Laban is is Pharaoh then. I mean, even down to the point where he's like, hey, why don't you not leave? Why don't you do something else that's not quite what you want? (laughs) Yeah. I've only cheated you 10 times. So why is 10 significant? (laughs) So one of the things is that Genesis is narrative. Much of Exodus is narrative, but then the back end of Exodus contains a lot of commands, laws. Laws. And it's important to remember yesterday we had a, it's not important to remember this, even though it was great. We had a guest speaker came and Frank Tremble family time ministries, isn't that correct? That is correct. Yeah, he was out. By the way, Matt is not fuzzy on this. He had no sleep. <laughs> yes, that's that is <laughs> shout correct. out to new subscriber. He subscribed to the podcast. Oh, awesome. Hey, welcome, Frank. Frank. Welcome. And I want to say all over again, you were outstanding. But anyway, Frank used the weekend to help us think well about December, this not December, Deuteronomy 6 and the whole idea, the Shema. And loving your family and navigating what it means as a family to be followers of Yahweh. And as he was talking about this is when he talks about when your son asks, hey, what's the meaning of all these commands? I was looking at my scripture and one of the things that is the reminder before you get to Deuteronomy 6 is the rehash of the Ten Commandments Yeah, in Deuteronomy 5. Well, going back to 5. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy 5, when... And you have a lot of Deuteronomy commentators who view an initial rehash of the commandments and then an expounding on the commandments throughout the remainder of Deuteronomy. Correct. Yeah. Fleshing them out. So 
what's what's interesting and just to start this right here if you read deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 1 it says and moses summoned all israel and said to them hear o israel the statutes and the rules that i speak in your hearing today and you shall learn them and be careful to do them the lord our god made a covenant with us in horeb not with our fathers did the lord make this covenant but with us who are who are here alive today the lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire while he stood between the lord and you well excuse me while i stood between the lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the lord for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up into the mountain he said before i read it gandalf what's the first commandment do you know the first of the ten commandments no other gods right yeah, yeah. don't no. have it you either you will have no other gods before me or Get those other gods out of my sight. Don't yes. bring them before my faces. Uh-oh. But get them out of here. But get them let, out. Get them. Yes. <laughs> but let me read it to you. Okay. This is the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt yeah. and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, that's like, right. Like it is myth before mandate. This is so important. Now, when I say myth, we need to stretch back into the recesses of our imagination yeah. and our memory and remember myth does neutrally not mean speaking. yes neutrally speaking in the academic sense myth is not talking about some fictitious made up story it is rather this is the story of your culture and your people that help you navigate the truth of the universe and how you connect to that truth of the universe and in symbol praxis story all everything of it, yeah. and um, before the mandates are given it is this is your story so when we i like to say it this way god has a pattern throughout the bible of reminding us who he is and Mm. what he has done before he tells us who we are to be and what we are to do absolutely so when we're navigating stories like this whole mini exodus here yeah like these this is playing into the myth so to speak this is playing into the great story and which by the way just in case you're casually listening, like all three of us here believe that this is historical, that this Absolutely. literally happened. Absolutely. Like, this happened. This is not make-believe and stories. The, and this is not the, only true, it's better and than this, fiction. And this, yeah, is the, right. and this is the inspired historical account of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And let me, like, even in sociology, like if we're not using the language of myth the way Matt is, sociology, they would say every people group has something akin to a master commemorative narrative. Yes. And it's not just the story. It is a story that exerts a gravitational pull on making sense of all the lesser stories. Mm. In other words, those stories will, in other words, you never just get Earth, Venus, or Mars. You always see them in connection to the sun because there's something bigger holding them in place relative to itself and relative to each other in the stories of a society. And God's call on Abraham in redemption of what went wrong in Edom, God's plan to bless Abraham and his offspring to be a blessing is, and the way that leads to the Exodus is going to be that thing in the Old Testament. Like, it's interesting for me, like Matt talked about laws. Matt, this was several weeks ago. Like Matt, I try to read through the Bible at least once a year in a different translation. And my Bible reading that day took me to Deuteronomy 26. And I just reached out to Matt and said, Matt, I was so blessed on this. Well, what is Deuteronomy 26 about? What was I inspired about as a pastor? It's about offering first fruits and tithes to God, which is 
That's the thing we don't want to hear about in church, right? <laughs> Those are never the most popular sermon. Look at how I just like the next time I preach on tithing, I might just read Deuteronomy 26 and close in prayer. Mm. Listen to what it says. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, it's not a God who takes, it's a God who gives. When you come to the land the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of the fruit of, the, of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, rep- repetition intentional, uh, and you shall put it in a basket. Even like passing plates, which churches don't a, a lot of times do anymore, that's storied. Like, yeah. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office, and at that time you will say, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give to us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall make response before the Lord your God. Listen to this. A wandering Aramean was my father. I'm an offspring of Abraham, in other words. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there. And there's the Exodus. And he went down to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with good, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonder. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And it goes on from there. But like, if you just talk about something like tithing, everybody tenses up. Mm. it's really hard to do that when the practice of tithes and offerings are connected to the story of Abraham and Exodus. And so like, I I know that's uh, we've taken several steps away from the weird stuff between Jacob and Laban being Moses and Pharaoh, but that's how this stuff works. Right. So we have talked a lot about typological themes throughout this entire podcast. Absolutely. In fact, understanding typology is not a thing. It is one of the things when it comes to reading the Bible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because what has been done will be done again. And when you're reading something, it's not only did it happen this way, but it is written in this way because we are, there is something of the story of redemption, something of who God is, something of all of this is more than just talking about a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. We are laying the groundwork for how God, how God blesses. And interesting, Egypt was blessed by the prosperity of the growth of Abraham's family, just like Laban was blessed. By the way, Jacob, not, yeah, Jake, Jacob ends up in Laban's home because of the stolen blessing uh, that he took from his brother. It was an issue of stealing an inheritance through shady means. Well, that actually how uh, Joseph is going to be sent to Egypt. They're going to yeah. kill him off and take his inheritance. How's Moses going to end up in the place where he finds a wife? Kills a dude. That's um, right. So there's by lots the way, of things here. 
this has just come to my heart and my mind, and this is an awkward moment because they don't know what I'm about to say. <laughs> oh, no. But I owe both of these men an on-air apology. For Christmas, we all received gifts from a major supporter of the show, Angela Dickerson, who actually, by the way, incorporates some of the show into teaching. She's a, she's an educator. She teaches gifted ed. And Angela has such a, an amazing gift. I can't wait to give to y'all, but I forgot to bring it today. It's okay. So thank you, you Angela. You stole and, the blessing. I know oh, that's no. what came. That's what, that's what brought it to mind. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I stole the blessing. <laughs> um, and so it came with something that I won't tell you about. And it came, it came also with gummy bears. And since I'm being more intentional about fitness, you will get both the gift I'm not mentioning and the gummy bears. So gotcha. well, otherwise you might not, not have stolen it because he is, it would be stealing if he ate our gummy bears. I have to go back to my homeland and then bring it back into <laughs> Egypt. Good. Lord of mercy. So we're about to move into this next section of this story. And as we're wrapping this up, okay, like I think we should be thinking about the parallels between Egypt. We should think about the parallels, not just Egypt and Armenia here, but also the Exodus and this mini exodus, which is taking place here. But I want to take us back just a little bit further. A couple episodes ago, we talked about Laban, who practices divination. Dr. Van Horn reminded us that is the same word, essentially, that is used in Genesis 3, Nakash. Mm-hmm. And he's serpented. Yes. And And serpents will come back into play in Egypt and Exodus. Yeah. Right. So it's important to remember Genesis 3.15 that I will place hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. So what is very interesting to me is that in order for there to be hostility amongst the seed, among the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent, they will have to be in the same house and in proximity towards each other. So it is not that you've got serpent land over there. And then, yeah, that's right. And then you've also <laughs> got uh, seed of woman land over here. No, in every story, this is a reminder that the serpent is always, as we learn in Genesis 4, in animal-like fashion, crouching at the doorstep. It is a battle amongst seeds. It is battling out whether it's Leah and Rachel it is whether it is Laban and it the serpent is always crouching right there to quote Dwight Schrute again Slytherin of the bad guys Jim (laughs) (laughs) so good oh gosh but penultimate um, episode of The Office season three beach games listener if you want to hear more about The Office and the Prince of Egypt then all you need to do is subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast and it's bound to come up again many more times So join us next week and we will move into chapter 31 and we will see what happens to Laban if he will go the way of Pharaoh or if something else will happen. I don't know. We're going to find out. But the only way you'll know is if you are subscribed and you get a notification on that Tuesday morning. So if you are not subscribed, there's a shocking number of you who are not. Please do so. That will bless you. That will bless us. Until then, I say have a good week. See you next time. Shalom. I have a, I have a friend whose uh, culture pop culture opinions matter to me, and he says I'll put the first I think I can't remember if he said three or six seasons 
Yeah, he said, I think he said three. He said, I'll put the first three seasons of writing on that show against any show you've ever got. Yep. 